Turn in your Bibles or open your Bibles and scroll to First uh, John chapter 3. We're going to look at two verses this morning. First John 3, verses 2 and 3. Let me read it for us. Hear God's Word. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. I want us to think this morning about the hope of sons that we have as sons of God. I saw in the news uh, about three weeks ago, uh, a person I didn't know caught the headline though, was billionaire commits suicide. And just, just the headline just gripped me. Uh, what? A, a billionaire? commit suicide. So I read just a little bit about it. His name was Thomas Lee. He had a Fifth Avenue uh, apartment. He was a wealth manager, um, made his billions of dollars, 78 years old, and no health issues. And I'm, again, like, you've got everything in the world. Can you not buy whatever it is you don't have? What, what, what has destroyed this man's hope. It, it, it just baffled me that someone had all of what this life has to offer and no hope. And so he shoots himself. Um, no real health issues. Nothing in the article explained any health issues or family issues or business issues uh, to lead him to the brink of despair. Where is our hope? What does it take to, to lose hope? Uh, we could all spec speculate as to, you know, why this man lost his hope. By the way, it's interesting. Uh, hope is, I mean, uh, uh, suicide is the 12th leading cause of death in America. And it was interesting to me to read uh, the number one group of people that commit suicide. You know what it is? 70% of the people in America who commit suicide are white, middle-aged men. Again, it's like, why? Those that are at that stage in life where they're up and coming and have all potential in front of them uh, in this country and are committing suicide. What is it that is bringing us to the brink of despair and we have no hope? Um, isn't there some hope? Yes. There's a hope for us in Christ that sets us apart. Let me read it for you again. It says, we're God's children now. We don't have to wait for that. It's, it's secure now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. It's going to get better. So we're already in Christ. It's already secure. It's going to get better. And we know that when He appears, we're going to be like Him. We shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes, everyone with that hope in Him, purifies Himself as He is pure. So there is a hope that is secure. It's ours now as sons of God. I don't want anyone not having that hope. Of course, it comes only for sons. It comes for the children of God. And that's why we come, one of the reasons we come and we worship Jesus. He gives us a hope that's beyond uh, the despair of the world. It's a present hope, 
in this passage. It's a perfecting hope and it's a purifying hope. Let's look at it. First of all, it is ours. We have it now. There's a sure present hope. Children of God have hope and it lasts. It lasts and lasts. It lasts until we see Him and that's life eternal. It never goes away. Um, how do we get it? Just make it real plain. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. So go back a few books. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So when we are born again, when we're brought to life, when we're taken out of our dead spiritual state of sin and brought into life with Christ, at that moment, we are given a hope. It's not something we earn, not something we have to work up, not something we achieve. It's not something we obtain after we've created some sort of asset. It's ours through new birth into Christ. When you're born again, because Christ who is living, raised from the dead, He is living to secure a hope. It can't fade, can't pass away, because He never dies. We're born again into this hope. It's ours as children of God. So as soon as you're saved, you get it. Thousands of people every year are watching their hope die. We don't. See, you remember that. We don't watch our hope die. It never dies. It's ours. We're born into it. It's, it stays with us forever. Um, how do we tell others of this hope? It's a hope that's present with us right now that doesn't disappear. The, the world looks at us sometimes and says, oh, you're, you're just like me. You're just like me. You have the same struggles I've got. You look like me. You struggle like I got. And we need to say, no, 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 we, we're not like you. We've got a hope that's far superior to your hope. This world is not all for us. This is where we were born again. This is where we launch into an eternal hope that's secured for us in the heavens. Um, the non-Christian, yeah, we're not, we're not the same. Confront the non-Christian who says, oh, you're just like me. No, no, you don't have no hope for your marriage. That it's going to last. You have no hope for your business. That it won't crash. You have no hope when you stand before judgment. You have no hope, no answer for your sin. There's a lot of difference between you and me. And it really comes to this issue of who has hope. Who has security Going forward, we have hope as children of God. We remain children of God when we pass from this life to the next. We pass as a child of God. Uh, Non-Christians have no clarity on that, no security on that, no hope. Uh, I read the story of a high schooler named Gary uh, that uh, was breaking all track records. He jumped into track in the ninth grade, started breaking all the records, sophomore, breaking all the records. You know, the high school just couldn't wait till Gary becomes a junior and senior and really competes. Uh, this guy was going to be national. Uh, he was going to be an Olympian. Just kind of that 
that kind of speed that he had. But uh, at the end of his sophomore year, he got real sick, went to the hospital. They checked him out, cancer of the spine, and said, Gary, you're not going to uh, be running anymore, and in not but a short time, you're gonna, not going to be able to walk. Uh, and so for his junior year and his senior year, he was bound to a wheelchair, uh, and he would go down the halls of high school in his wheelchair. Got saved during that time. Started reading his Bible. Got excited. Uh, would call up the preacher. It was in a preacher book that I read this. Uh, and one uh, uh, morning he called this preacher. and said, preacher, he says, I just got to share something with you. He said, what's that, Gary? He says, I was reading in the Bible. And, and it says when, uh, uh, when we die, the corruptible body becomes incorruptible. He said, isn't that cool? He said, that's so cool. My corruptible body that's, that's wearing away and everybody sees it, it's going to become incorruptible. He says, he says, you know what I'm going to do when I get that incorruptible body? And the preacher says, no, what are you going to do? He says, I'm going to run. He says, I'm going to run all over heaven. Gary was one who had hope. He had hope. This is not all there is. There's so much more. When I die, when this corruptible puts on the corruptible, that's me becoming like him. Becoming like Christ. I will see him as he is, and I will be like him. The corruptible will become incorruptible. The mortal will become immortal. The temporal will become eternal. That's hope. That's glorious hope that's ours in Christ. Let's not forget it. We need not be in that statistical group that's, that's not thinking of the significance of life in Christ. There's always more. Well, the hope's not only ours, but it's a perfecting hope. Um, it, it's, not, it's not an unfulfilled dream of God. It's God's. It's not an unfulfilled dream of ours. It, it baffles me why I struggle so much uh, with the doctrine of predestination when I was moving from the whole Arminian camp into the God sovereignty camp. And it took me about 10 years to make that journey. And the reason I think it took me so long is because I did not understand where it was taking us. What, what was the goal? What was the purpose of predestination? I just wanted to fight with a God who said he had more control than me. Instead of realizing he was using his control for a very glorious purpose. Look at, at it with me. Look at Romans chapter 8 verse 29. Romans 8 verse 29. Awesome passage to hang on to and think about. Romans 8 verse 29 says, For whom he, that's God the Father, foreknew... He also predestined. That's that doctrine people get trapped over. The God who foreknew, he could see everything that's going to happen. Seeing what's going to happen. He also predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. Think about that with me. God says... 
I have a plan to have a people. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will succeed at my plan. So to succeed, church are people. To succeed at my plan, I am going to predetermine that everyone who is a child of God will be, no doubt about it, will be conformed to the image of Christ. I have so determined. God does not get thwarted. His plan succeeds. That's what it's about. He said, I don't want to just give you hope that's pie in the sky that's not going to be realized. I want to give you hope that is absolutely determined. You will be like him. I have predestined those who are in Christ to be conformed to his image. And that's what 1 John is referring to, talking about when it says, beloved you get that. You're so loved. You're so loved. God's children now. And as God's children now, think about God's children then and later. Because God's children become like Him. It's predetermined that that is what will happen. He says, when He appears, He says, not yet has appeared what we will be. But when He appears, we shall be like him. We're going to see him as he is. Colossians chapter 3, verse 4. Quick reference to this. Colossians 3, verse 4 says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. He wants to take us into that glorious realm when Christ shows up and when he appears. That could happen a thousand years from now. It could happen today. It could happen a hundred years from now. It doesn't matter whether you're dead or living. If you're in Christ, when Christ shows up, when he appears, you will appear like him. In glory, in meaning you're transformed. The corruptible puts on the incorruptible. The mortal puts on the immortality. The temporal puts on eternity. You're going to appear like that. You're not going to stay the same. You're not going to stay bound by this earthly abode that we're in. Uh, that's why it doesn't appear as yet what we shall be. We don't think about where we're going and where we're headed near as much. Um, but we know, says, it's guaranteed, but we know. When he appears, we shall be like him. Let's think about a couple of passages um, where this was confusing even for the disciples. Look at John chapter 14. This is just before Christ's death, burial, resurrection. Jesus speaking to his disciples. He knew that he was about to leave them. John 14, verse 1, he says, Let not your hearts be troubled. You know, I'm leaving. I don't want you to be upset about that. 
Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Uh, Not hardly. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am you may be also. Jesus reminded us. He says, there's work to do, guys. I'm going to go to glory and I'm going to prepare a glorious place. And if that weren't true, why would I even tell you? The reason I tell you is because I want you to know I'm coming to take you where I am. And where I am, you will be. And like me, you will be. And it's glorious. I don't want you to be troubled. I don't want you to be in the pits of despair. I want you to see what's out in front of you. It's a hope that's secure. Look again at 1 Peter chapter 1. I read verse 3, but let's look and read verse 4 along with it now. 1 Peter chapter 1. It says, blessed, verse 3 and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy. He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that's imperishable. It's undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. See, that's kind of like what Jesus was telling His disciples. I'm going to prepare the unveiling of this hope that is yours in me. And when I do that, that's what you are going to inherit. You're born again to, that was wonderful what uh, Jonathan said a minute ago, that we're not just saved from something, we're saved to something. And that's what this hope is all about, that we are saved to inherit something. A hope and the inheritance. Notice the description again, verse 4. This inheritance, it's imperishable. It's undefiled, it's unfading, and it's kept. You're not going to see it like some California bank crash. And all that you hope for is gone. Not going to happen. Since it's kept. And while it's being kept, it doesn't get defiled. It never perishes. It never tarnishes. It just continues this wonderful, glorious increase in Christ. That's our hope. And it, I call it a perfecting hope. Because we're going to receive it in a state of perfection. All of our imperfections will pass away as we become like Christ. We shall be like Him. There's nothing better than that. A couple passages on that. Philippians 3, verse 21. Philippians 3, verse 21. Who will transform... So I'll maybe back up so you get the whole sentence. Verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body 
to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Christ has the power. And He says one of the things He's going to do with that power is transform us into a glorious being that's beyond the being we now have. We, we don't lose our identity, but we grow up into Christ in all of His glory. So all of our limitations that are limitations because of sin or imperfections, they pass away. And we're transformed into a glorious being in Christ um, and he says he's able to do that with the power that he has to subject all things to himself. Well, in other words, can something stop him? No, he can subject it to himself. There's no greater power. There's no supremacy beyond the supremacy of Christ. He has the power to transform us into his likeness. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 42. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 42. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. Just think about that. We perish. We all die. It's just a matter of time. I don't, I don't know when my time on earth will cease. I was thinking as we were singing that last song. I said, you know, some preachers die while they're preaching. Uh, and uh, seeing it, uh, one of our ER docs back there, I was thinking, okay, God, if you bring this on, this is just, this is random right here, okay? I thought, if you bring this on to my life right now, I'm going to call Mike. Mike, come up, and I'm going to whisper in your ear, no life-saving measures, none. Let me go. Because the perishable is going to put on the imperishable. The temporal is going to put on the eternal. Don't stop that process. Let me go. I will be like him. I will be perfect. I will be transformed into his glory. When God is ready, let that happen. That's what I long for. That's my hope. That I will be like him. Why is it we still claw our way back to earth like there's something here? Everything here is perishable. Everything there is imperishable and glorious in Christ. And God wants us to know you have that hope now. It doesn't appear as yet. You don't see it. But you should have it. And guess what? Here's the cool part. All that that we get. No diet is required. No exercise is required. No ice hack is required. No cleansing is required. You get it. He transforms us into His glorious presence. Praise God. Amen. It's a glorious hope that's ours in Christ. And we need to dwell there. We need to see what it's like to be like Christ. Read a story. Spurgeon was uh, enamored by Andrew Bonar's 
commentary on Leviticus. Anybody who can write a commentary on Leviticus and get anything out of it, you know, that's pretty significant. And Spurgeon read this commentary by Leviticus, and he knew Andrew Bonar and said, man, it's the best thing I've ever read or seen. He says, I would, he says, I want to give it back to you, and I want you to put a picture of yourself in it and sign it. I, I just want to save this. It's, it just means so much to me. Andrew took the uh, commentary, found a picture of himself, signed it. Then he wrote a little note. He says, he says, I'm really close to dying. He says, if you'd have just waited a few weeks, you'd have had a much better likeness. And a lot of times we don't think that. We're, we're only going to look better. It's only going to get better from here for us in Christ. I will soon be like him. When I see him, I will be like him. Um, many of us, we're continuing to hope in things. Hope I get a new car. I hope I get a better house. I hope for a better job. I hope for a better me on this earth. And those hopes die. But the hope in Christ, it's imperishable. We get a hope that lives. When, when I get to heaven, I will be given a robe. Far better than anything I've ever worn. Because it's going to be a robe of righteousness. And I'll have a crown, and it's a crown of glory. And I'll have an existence without pain, without tears that are hurtful, painful, lonely tears. I will see as he sees that depression and death are vanquished. And there's nothing but an eternity of glory that awaits what a hope that God has given us. Now, third thing he tells us in the passage. You have the hope. You don't have to work for it. It's yours. It gets better and better and better. Verse 3, and everyone who has it, everyone who does hopes in him, purifies himself as he is pure. Now, no exceptions. First of all, notice that. No exceptions. Who gets... Who has the hope? Those who are born again. Everyone who's born again, so if you're genuinely born again, no exceptions, everyone who has that hope purifies himself as he is pure. Didn't say some, some of us do that. Some of us work a little harder to be pure. Husbands do, wives do, children do. No, it didn't start creating categories. Everyone who has this hope purifies himself as he is pure. Now, you already have the hope. You already have eternal salvation. This is not talking about justification. This is not talking about gain in heaven. This is talking about an attribute. This is one of the attributes of those who are already eternally secure in Christ. And one of those attributes... The one he mentions here is this attribute of purifying yourself as he is pure. Um, it's somewhat of a measuring rod. Uh, now, let me make it clear. It does not say everyone who has this hope purifies 
his wife, purifies her husband, purifies their children, purifies their workplace. That's not what he's talking about. We're good, aren't we, at, at cleaning other people up. Everyone who has this hope purifies himself. The focus is on something we do to, for, with ourselves. And I don't think it has to be complicated. It's a pretty natural process, pretty natural attribute. If I know that I'm going on vacation, what do I do? I prepare to go on vacation because I like to work. I want to get certain things done uh, so that I can enjoy the vacation. So I prepare myself for that. If I know it's a beach vacation, I try to get out in the sun a little bit, prepare myself so I'm not roasted when I get there. You know, let's, let's, let's prepare, get, get some foundation of tan going because I, I took my legs out for the first time this week on the golf course. My white legs saw the sun for the first time, you know, since November. Yeah, they were pretty too, yeah. Uh, yeah, everybody put on glasses after I took my legs out. You, make, you do some things to prepare yourself for a trip. That's common. Everybody does that, right? Everyone. If I knew you were coming over to my house, let's say I knew Jesus was coming, that Jesus comes back to earth, and I'm like Zacchaeus up in a sycamore tree, and he says, David... Come down, man. I'm going to your house, but I'm not going to be there until 6.30. What am I doing? I'm running home. Hey, honey, we got to clean up. we got to get things straight. Jesus is coming, right? What do you do? You, you try to purify the environment because Christ is showing up. It's just something we do. Not everybody in the world is not doing that. Just the people who have Christ in them. And want a distraction-free time with Christ. You do that today, whether it's your trip, somebody's coming to see you, you purify yourself. You clean up. You get a bath. You put on your clean clothes. You, so physically you're clean, but spiritually there's a cleansing. Of forsaking all sin to cleanse yourself. If Jesus were coming, how would it affect you? If we're going to Jesus, how does it affect us? That's all he's saying. Everyone who has this hope that you're going to see Jesus is spending your time purifying yourself. You want distraction-free time with Jesus. We want to be ready to see Jesus. Now, it doesn't matter if Jesus comes back today and he finds some of us playing golf and some of us fishing and some at the movies and some at home. Some See, it doesn't matter, right? What he finds us doing, but we hope that what he finds us doing is focused on him, that we're doing it as unto him, that we're doing it in worship of him to enjoy him. Whatever it is we do, whether... Uh, we eat or drink. It's to the glory of God. 
That's what we want him to find us doing, is glorifying him. And everyone who has the hope of seeing him is constantly evaluating our own actions. Is this glorifying to God? And it's glorifying to God that we rest when we need to rest and we sleep when we sleep. We recreate when we recreate. We eat and drink to his glory. All of these things that he's given us in life can be done for his glory. But are we using them to prepare ourselves, to purify ourselves for his coming? Uh, He wants to find us pure. Of course, use the means of grace. We have them in this service. Coming to be with the people of God, taking the sacraments, having times of prayer, getting into the word of God, having those devotions. That's how we purify ourselves not rocket science. We use all of those things that have delivered us out of sin to constantly become more and more like Christ. What's your hope? I said, I don't want you to leave out of here hoping in a car, in a house, in land, in things. We are the children of God. And as children of God, we hope in being like Christ. And that is a secure, definite, certain hope. There's no doubts in our mind. It is realized because it's ours now. It's our position now. God has a grip on us and has predetermined that outcome. For those who are born again, we're born again to being conformed to the image of Christ. We have... A wonderful hope. Look at the last verse. Romans 15 verse 4. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures. We might have hope. He says, the whole Bible, everything that has been written, has been written to instruct, to teach, to train. But ultimately, that instruction, that in teaching, that training, is to encourage you. And the encouragement comes through the scriptures. And the encouragement is that you would have hope. Where do you hear about your hope except here? It's through the scriptures. And the scriptures are to encourage you to not walk about this planet with your heads hanging down, but to look up at Christ and have hope, to be encouraged He says, if you're not looking at your hope, get back into the scriptures. They encourage you. They draw you to see where you're headed. That Christ is preparing a place for you and me. And it's going to be glorious. It's going to be beautiful in him. Let's pray. Father, how easy it is.